2: Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manu Vep and as always I'm joined by Tim Bokterjeb all the way over on the Canadian West Coast. Tim, how's it going? I have to tell you, um, I'm in Croatia lying in the sun. It's been fabulous. How is it over there? <laughs> well, yeah, it's actually, it's not bad here as well.
0: It's, uh, yeah, the weather is nice. Um, yeah, it's uh, summer. Um, yeah, so the West Coast is beautiful as ever. Um I, th- I don't know if, you know, Canada is not the most football country, but I feel like people around me are getting ready for the World Cup. Uh, you know, that's the classic thing people do. Uh, they start having, like, polls at work, and uh, people start discussing. And I, I feel like Canada is such a non-football country, but the only time when, you know, people start getting ca- uh, care about uh, the football is Euro or the World Cup. So you kind of feel it's kind of nice. It's not the similar as they care about hockey, but it's still nice that people start asking you question about who will win, how will Russia will do, and all that stuff. It's better to have a conversation at least about that than about some, I don't know, other sports which they talk about.
2: Yeah, you know, I saw the other day someone, one of my Canadian friends tweeted out that they have Panini albums now in Canada. Oh, uh, well, I have one. Huh? I'm working on it. Yeah, so, a- SMI, of course, for my future kids. <laughs> <laughs> I know someone else who's been working feverishly on his Panini album, probably also for his kids, and that's Andrew Flint. Um, it's totally for the kids, isn't it, Andrew?
3: <laughs> I would try and keep a straight face, and I, I told myself that lie for about five minutes, but um, yeah, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lie, it's, it's not my kid at all. Well, unless you count me as a big kid, so maybe in that sense, yes.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie either. It's totally not for my kids either. I got a hardcover version. I think I've already mentioned this and it's, yeah. it's, it's getting really, oh, yeah. it's getting nice and full. I, I'm really excited. You know, um, every once in a while, there's a little bit of a disappointment when you get a player that you already have, but then I figure when, when we all meet up, uh, Andrew, I think yeah. they're all the same all over the world. So, uh, we can, we can do some exchanging. So I'm excited for that. Um, you know, pick it.
3: Yeah. yeah they will, <laughs> we'll, we'll,
2: I'm pretty sure there will be other, uh, people at the World Cup, um, making the album full for the kids. <laughs> but, um, boys, before this, this is our episode two of the, um, football Grad World Cup preview. But before we get into the, the nitty gritty of the World Cup and 99% of this episode will be about the World Cup, we have to, uh, discuss one news that came across, um, the wire just as we were starting and that's Roman Abramovich's situation. Uh, in England. And the reason we're mentioning this is because Chelsea uh, just announced that they cancelled the uh, construction of the stadium as long as Roman Abramovich um, is not able to work in England. Um, that was basically his statement. Said, uh, I, I, he said he's not willing to invest over a billion pounds into a club or into a country where he's not allowed to work. So, uh, lots of speculations on what is going to be the future at for Chelsea but also for roman abramovich my personal assessment is that roman abramovich um as long as the, the the freezing conditions that you have between the united kingdom and russia um he will hang on to his ass- asset. That's what Chelsea is. I know fans don't like to hear that word. He will hang on to the asset, but I reckon there will be no major investment either. So it will be kind of like an Arsenal 2.0. That's my personal investment. I'm really curious to hear what you think, Andrew. I mean, you're someone who watches the English Premier League a lot closer than I do. Uh, Roman Abramovich is, of course, a massive figure in Russian politics uh, in general. Um, He has just gotten his Israeli citizenship, which should make it easier for him to get a visa. But still, um, just you have fifty rubles on the whole situation, Andrew.
3: Well, yeah, it's 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 a depressingly predictable outcome, if I'm perfectly honest. Because, like you mentioned, with the, you know, the the attitude towards Russia, Russian politics, um, Russian investment, the whole lot is skewed by what I've said for a long time. What we've all agreed on that there's a an imbalance of of coverage, an imbalance of information that comes across to the West from about Russia and Russian people. But what I would say is Abramovich is um, he's proven himself to be a a very solid investor. Um, Chelsea have done very well um, from him. Um, he takes a relative backseat. He doesn't have a high profile in England. Um, very few people know a lot about him, except they see his face at Chelsea matches a lot. I mean, in terms of what this means in the short term um with the stadium of course that's going to be that's going to be an issue and i know that his visa that he had was related to well it's one of the it's a i couldn't call it a tier one visa it's to do with high investment and if you invest a certain amount of money then you are guaranteed residency for a certain amount of time if you pass all the relative fit and proper person tests uh for want of a better phrase i'm sure there will be a way that he will he will come back um but it looks like it's a little more uncertainty for Chelsea in the medium term so interesting um, interesting season for them coming up with a new manager coming in um see how Maurizio sarri deals with this
2: yeah i i, I well, that's are currently the new manager right uh, we'll have to wait and see i i have my personal my personal belief is that this was a long time coming I think I wrote about this in the People's Game, uh, the, selling the People's Game. My PhD dissertation is a long, lot of segments on Abramovich that for me personally, uh, Chelsea was always a political tool to be used um, only um, to benefit his status in the United Kingdom. With that being undermined, I can't see him being really interested in um, strengthening the club because there is no political value to be gained out of that. Um, so as long as he is, um, on unsolid political footings, I think Chelsea will be on unsolid per, uh, footings for going forward. And I think, um, that is really something that Chelsea fans, I if I was a Chelsea fan, I would be concerned. I mean, this, this is maybe was predictable, but I would be definitely concerned because it's a little bit of an uncertainty going forward. Um, so yeah. Anyways, good boys. Let's leave, let's leave Chelsea alone. Um, this is too much of a running story. There is a podcast out there. Um We're going to plug it, um, tweet it out on 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 gas that we did specifically on Russian money in the Western European game. So if you're interested in the topic, there's more on this. There's also my PhD dissertation uh, selling the people's game. Um, so lots and lots of information. There's articles on footballgrad.com about Roman Abramovich, uh, and there will probably be another one added very soon. So uh we'll... we'll Wait and see what happens. But boys, um, the World Cup, Tim, how excited are you? We're going to start with your group, Group A, the Russian group. Um, you have Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Uruguay. Um, is that an easy group for the Sponaya, Tim?
0: Well, it depends, uh, you know, which generation of people we're talking, uh, you know, if we, if that group would have been in 1994, 96, when Russia had the best generation in years, then it would have been an easy group for us. I think for this generation of, of players is really any group would be hard. And even probably the, I think uh, what I heard that was the lowest, uh, lowest, um, FIFA ranked group in the history. Um, that, um, you know, that, <laughs> even that doesn't help Russia. I don't really have. Too much confidence in our squad, and it has nothing to do with the relief of the coach or the players. It's just the generation, uh, World Cup, and just you know big football events as such uh, on a national level team. It's very, very connected to the generational thing, especially for the countries which are you know not Brazil, Germany, Italy, France, or like not top level. For the second tier and down, it's a very, very generational thing. I remember my first World Cup was uh, 1994. And this is the one which I really, really paid attention and watched every game. And back then, Bulgaria, uh, with uh, Stoichkov, Lechkov, and that team, that was that was a team which was like you know like for one of the best of that tournament. And I thought, because I was a kid, I thought that Bulgaria was a ma- massive nation in the footballing term. Mm-hmm. Look at them right now. So um, going back to the Group A, really, like I, I see Russia having a hard time. It's it's hard group uh, for Russia. And to be honest, I see. Russia very hard time getting out of this group and competing with well Uruguay. There's no chance, and but the main competition will be Egypt. And I don't really see if, especially if Mo Salah comes back, Russia getting anything out of that game.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about the uh, several sides. I want to maybe mention one fun stat about the Spor that I came across. Um, they hold they hold a record, Tim. Believe it or not, Sergei Golukovich. Uh has the <laughs> earliest yellow card in the World Cup of the World Cup history. In nineteen ninety four he saw a yellow card in the first minute. That takes some doing. But um <laughs> let's talk about the the Green Falcons, the uh, Saudi Arabia. Um they have one player in their midst, Mohammed Al Salawi, who has scored sixteen goals. Uh that sounds amazing um when it comes to you know, World Cup qualifying, but he scored eight of those against uh East Timor. So just to put that, <laughs> that to perspective. <laughs> which i guess is another record um but speaking of saudi arabia i mean andrew you added um a little bit to to our agenda that and i think this is really worth mentioning they sent nine players to spain in a really bizarre deal and this was just a yeah. during the winter transfer window um on loan i think none of them actually played any minutes
3: well, as far as I know, they—they, they, uh, I think two of them were on the bench for was it Liga? Yes. Um I may have got the team wrong now. I'm sorry because their names are so hard to keep track of. Um, but I believe one of them did actually score in a friendly yesterday or the day before. So um, it's a very odd deal, really. Um, you know, they've they've sent these nine players on loan to to Spanish clubs. Um, uh, I think one has joined Villarreal. Um, and there's, like I mentioned, it was one at Liga Agnes. So there are some on the books, officially on the books, at La Liga site. But um, it doesn't seem to have been a success on the pitch. You know, I'm st- what I'm starting to think about these players is that the deal wasn't about them being on the pitch in the first place. Um, we've seen a lot of, well, how should we call it, placed advertisement in football in different formats. Um, and this seems to be more for that purpose than... For the actual development of the players, long term it could be something that would be interesting. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Saudi Arabian players uh, almost exclusively play in their own league, and they don't develop experience of other footballing cultures. So it doesn't surprise me that they don't have, you know, a long history of success at the World Cup. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting story at least. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see if they stay for next season or not, or whether it's all just pre World Cup. Um, in terms of the actual group, though, uh, it seems an obvious thing to say, but I don't really see how Saudi Arabia can realistically target much more than grinding out a point against Egypt. Um, I don't expect them to get change out of Russia in the opening game. So, uh, it could be, could be a tricky ride for them.
2: Yeah. I have, I have good memories when it comes to Saudi Arabia, the Germany's opening game <laughs> at the 2002 <laughs> World Cup, of course. Um, I believe Miroslav Klose scored four goals against them in an 8-0 rooting. Um It was a horrible game for the Green Falcons. It was a great game if you're a German national team fan. Um, interesting fact, actually, about Saudi Arabia. They're going to be the first team from Asia to open up um a World Cup. That has never happened before. Even in when South, South Korea and uh, Japan hosted their World Cup collectively, I believe it was the uh, World Cup holders France that opened up the tournament instead. Um, so that's, that's in, that's definitely something new, something to look forward for. Could be the biggest event that Saudi Arabia ever has participated in, in the World Cup. Um, remains to be seen. Tim, surely Russia will have to get the three points in that match.
0: Well for the Russia, this is a must have uh win like I don't usually use those expression like about must because nobody really must to do anything on a football field. that's a game, but really, if Russia has any plans and as the coach um outlined the goal um to get out of the group um then obviously that's 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 the game where they need to get three points because if they don't get three points, it will be pretty much impossible to get out of this group and it's um it's an opening game it will be. You know, it will be at the Luzhniki Stadium, which is the biggest national team stadium. I'm pretty sure the whole the whole stadium will be going for the team. And um, I think Russia really lucked out because we have a very unexperienced team. Of young people without big European um or World Cup experience, people who play in Russian league. And obviously there will be some nerves and will be some inexperience. So I think Russia really lucked out with having the first game against the weakest opponent of the group. Um, so I hope that will help. And, um, but really we have, unfortunately Russia have many stories of, um, successful start and then everything goes downhill from there. Um, yeah, there was quite a few games. I can remember a game against, uh, who was it four one when we won um, at the Euros in two thousand twelve? I believe it was. Then again, game against the Tunisia. I believe it was in what was it two thousand something. But yeah, like it's it's just um, very consistent. And Russia in the recent tournaments it starts with an easy game and starts strong, and then it all goes downhill from here. And kind of the <laughs> the the schedule of the groups really suggests that. So, we'll see. Um I'm not very hopeful, uh, but um the first game against Saudi Arabia, it's really a gift, in my opinion, uh, which can really, hopefully, will get a boost to the national team.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, they have to win. This is similar to the Comfort Cup, of course, where the first opponent yeah. was New Zealand, right? And that was a must-win exactly. game. Uh, I think we can expect very much the same thing. There, there will be a lot of pressure. I mean, this time the game will be at the Lushniki Stadium, Um a fabulous Facility that I haven't been inside in yet, but I know Andrew, you have been. It's, it's a great stadium. I'm um, really much looking forward to covering this game. Um, I think anything but a victory by Russia um, would be a massive shock. I think if Russia fails to get the three points there, the tournament will be over before it even begins, um, <laughs> because it gets it gets more difficult after that. Um, it really does. Uh, I think you know the next opponent, of course, then will be Egypt. And Egypt start the tournament um on the fifteenth of June against Uruguay. And I wanna talk about Egypt a little bit next. Um the fun fun fact I have about the Les Faraos is that their keeper SML Hadari is going hmm. to be the oldest player at the World Cup, um if he if he starts, which looks likely. He's going to be forty five years old. He's going to replace uh, the Colombian keeper Mondragon, who was forty four. I believe it was in Germany, two thousand six, um anyone can jump in and correct me. But yes, that was um, that's going to be at least another World Cup history. But uh, I mean, everything about Egypt has been about Mo Salah, right, Andrew? I mean, he has been the player in the Premier League. I know you support another team in red, but I mean, it's without a doubt that he has been fantastic to watch uh, throughout the season. He was taken out at the Champions League final, um, I think you even said, by a thug. Um, and that kind of came from a red from a Red Devil, um, rather than an LFC fan. So that says quite a lot. Um, it really is all, all about Mo Salah when you look at this team, isn't it, Andrew?
3: Well, he's certainly the focus. He's had, he has had one of those seasons that comes along pretty rarely, to be honest. Or um, well, if you exclude Messi and Ronaldo, the very few players have had a season quite like it. Um, you, and the, the thing is, he actually genuinely does come across as a very humble grounded sort of bloke he's not flashy he's not arrogant he's respectful and I think that's gone a long way towards um the effect his season has had um now as far as I understand he's expected to recover in about two weeks which runs us right up to that very first game so it would be questionable whether he'll actually play in the uh the Central New Stadium in in Yekaterinburg um but we'll, well, we'll just, we'll just have to see about that one. Whether he, he should be fit for at least some of the, uh, for some of the tournament. Um, but I, that's the problem with, um, having such a world beating player that their focus can be drawn away from the others. And I mean that in a good and a bad way because they do have some talented players. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, Ramadan Sobi. Um, is a, a good attacking midfielder. He's not played as much as I thought he would for Stoke. Um, I mean, Stoke are a terrible side, but, um, mm. he's a promising young player. Um, they do have Mohamed El Nenny who's, um, I mean, again, he's been solid without being spectacular, um, for Arsenal. So they do have other players, but the circus that is created around Salah is the problem for me. i uh, I wonder how the other players will cope with or without him, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it is very simple to, to narrow it down to one team, isn't it? Uh, one player in a team, isn't it? Um, I mean, Tim, we spoke to some of the players. Um, we were lucky enough to speak to Omar Gaba at the, um, one of the MLS friendlies, uh, not friendlies, uh, league games against the Vancouver White Cups just a few, few months ago, right? And, um, he is going to be one of the players that could have a breakout, um, breakout at this World Cup, because he's a very good player. You know, we, we watched him throughout that match in LAFC, a very good side. Um, not just by MLS standards, just in general. That's definitely another player to watch, isn't it?
0: Yeah, there's, in general, yeah, we, we saw him. He was, uh, very nice in the conversation with us, and he also contributed. So he was, uh, one of the best players, uh, in that game we saw, uh, like, uh, it's a little bit hard to transition that to the World Cup standard, but definitely he was, uh, like I said, like we said, one of the best players. But in general, when you look at the um, Egypt lineup, and when we look in in general, like uh, like I said, at the second tier, third tier sides, I usually look like I don't fall, I don't watch every game by Egypt. Uh, it's pretty much impossible for us to do. But you just look at the but the leagues which they represent, and you see there's. Quite a lot of players from English uh, Championship and the Premier League. You see players from France, from Portugal, from Turkey. You see that those players play at a fairly high level. And to me, that gives a confidence that, that, you know, that this team will have um, significant, you know, presence at at the World Cup. Um, Again, if we're talking comparing to Russia, we have only one player's player who plays abroad and um, so yes yeah, some players get champions league experience through cska its spartak but at the same time we have quite a few players who don't have experience um of that big stage and to me in the champions league in the big uh, world cup and euro tournaments experience plays a very very significant role you there's only maximum 7 matches which you can play and you have to be focused and you have to be motivated and you have to be at the top of, of your physical conditions after a very long season for one month. And, um, it's, it's a very hard thing to do. It may, it might sound easy, but I, I know that it is a, it's a hard thing to do. And uh, having that experience of playing in Europe and playing for top sites like Arsenal, Liverpool, which uh, some of the Egyptian players have, it definitely helps, um, helps if overall experience, overall synergy of the team. So I see Egypt as one of the very, interesting teams and definitely a very tough opponent for Russia, uh, Uruguay and Saudi Arabia.
2: Yeah, we actually were uh, in a fortunate position that we were able to speak to um, Omar Gaba about this World Cup and um, this is what he had to say.
0: Egypt, obviously, the home nation, Russia, like, how do you think in terms of chances of uh, Egypt against
1: Okay, them? perfect. I think it's, uh, we have a very good team. Uh, this generation qualified to the World Cup after 28 years. Yeah as well we played the final in the African Cup of Nations so we have a very good place that they are playing in big clubs so I think we'll uh, we'll do well. I'm I'm sure of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How excited are you about uh, just potentially going to Russia
0: and just being there? Uh, you know, the completely different culture, different country. Talk about
1: that. Uh, actually, I went uh, once with my former club to play there against SK Moscow. So Yeah. So it was, I think, a great atmosphere there. The yeah. uh, the people there they like football so much. So we are we are so excited. Yeah. yeah. We are so excited just yes, for that.
2: Just a quick question, with with Mo Salah, he's been a ph- phenomenal Champions yeah. League, he was great for Liverpool in the two games against Manchester City, do you guys feel, because you're in a group with Russia, Uruguay and the Saudi, Arabia. Saudi, Arabia. Yeah. Saudi Arabia, do you guys feel you have a chance, how deep could you go in this tournament?
1: Actually, yes, I think, uh, as I said, we have very good players, this generation, who qualified after 28 years, as I said, so we trust each other we are like one family in the national team everyone's we are fighting together we love each other yeah so i'm so i have a confidence we we trust each other so i'm sure that we will do a special thing there (laughs) i'm
2: russian and i think that you will win us (laughs) that's how good you are
1: (laughs) i'm actually going to
2: be at tournament i'm going to be at one of your games uh, okay so so good luck good luck good luck good luck thank you appreciate it thank you so much thanks Alright, yeah, that's, uh, that was Omagaba. Um, yeah, let's leave Egypt alone. Let's talk about the, the final side. And this is, of course, the, the, big favorite for me in this, this group A. And that's Uruguay. Um, I have to say La Celeste, the, 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 the sky blues. Um, of course, they were the country that hosted the first ever World Cup, uh, back in 1930. They were, of course, hoping to host the 2030 edition um as a hundred year jubilee I think together for Argentina and Paraguay so that's uh, something something to look forward to. Um Andrew, hands down, not just the favourites in this group, but maybe even one of the underdogs to win the whole thing, isn't aren't they?
3: Uh I'd love to I'd love to wear my heart on the sleeve and say Russia are gonna storm this group, but yeah of course <laughs> Uruguay have got <laughs> it's um I could try, but it's just no point. Um no Uruguay are They've got a hell of a lot of pedigree, and they've got one of the most um, threatening. Uh, forward, Edison Cavani, who is one of those players who I've always actually, I've always actually rated him because he's very consistent and he doesn't seem to complain too much, despite always being slightly overshadowed by it was Ibrahimovic for a few years, then Neymar arrived in Paris, but he's been the consistent one. Uh, and Luis Suarez, of course. Um, I mean, those two names are just in themselves will be. Quite a handful. Um, something tells me that Sergei Ignashevich and Vladimir Granat will have quite a few problems <laughs> containing them if if Marko Arnautovic can, can cause them trouble and those two <laughs> certainly will. Um, but, you know, it's... The, the thing is, it's, it really isn't just about them. They they have players who are playing regularly in Italy. Um, there's a, You guys will know a bit more about Nicolas Ladero than I will at yeah. Seattle. Um, I, I haven't seen him play a lot, but I know he's he's got a lot of experience. You've got um, Diego Godin, one of the best defenders in the world. Um, and, yeah, they're going to be a challenge. And I, I'm not so sure how far I think they'll go purely because of who they will meet in the next round. Um, Spain or Portugal, I think, would be a step too far for them. Um, if the draw was kinder for them, then I might I might side with you on that one. But purely because of who they will play next, I don't think I see them going much further than the next round. Um, but then again, I'd say the same for whoever's runner-up in the group too. So, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them play. Um, they'll be entertaining. And uh, yeah, I, I want to see good sides go through. I, I'm not you know, I don't really mind as long as teams play well. I don't mind if it's an underdog or it's a good side who go through. Um, and they have a lot of quality. So if they're entertaining, then I will, I will support them all the way.
2: Yeah. Nicolas Ludero. I'm a big fan of him. Actually, that's one player definitely to watch in this group. I mean, you mentioned the, the big ones already. Um, uh, but he is, of course, um, yeah, a player that, outside of major league soccer, not a people, not a lot of the people know. Um, you queuing in already, group B, Portugal and Spain, possible opponents of the first place team, right? Um, I think that's maybe the worst news for, for Russia is that even if they finish first, um, they would face Portugal or Spain. Um, and I wanna, wanna talk about this group. Um, at the first glance, a lot of people said, well, this could be, Possibly a group of death, um, but really it's only at the first glance, isn't it, Tim? Because when you look at the beyond the two big ones, Portugal and Spain, um, they might steal points from each other, but then the other two teams are Morocco and Iran, uh, yes, they can be stumbling blocks in any tournament, but do we really see those two smaller countries threatening the likes of Portugal and Spain in this one?
0: I actually do. Uh, and I have a slightly different opinion because I think that Morocco, I'm, I'm speaking specifically about Morocco has a very good generation of players. And I'm not saying that Morocco will go and w- win the World Cup, but they definitely, it will be tough uh, games uh, for Spain and Portugal. Spain, I don't see really any issues. Uh, qualifying because again, they have, they refreshed, uh, their side, uh, from the recent years. I think they still have that hunger of, you know, of, of, of winning. And I see them as one of the favorites of the world cup but portugal i think you, you know i think it will be actually between portugal and morocco and i'm not sure if portugal will win of course they have the experience of the euro but um, we often see that after winning a big success and uh, winning the trophy some some teams if they don't get significantly um, you know rotated or refreshed in terms of just the bringing new players in the the next tournament sometimes is not as successful especially when we're talking about like i said slightly maybe second tier uh, nation as portugal is um obviously cristiano ronaldo who is still the best player he is not getting any younger and he does uh slightly less work now, they left uh at home, um, their savior from the euro, Adair, who plays now for Lokomotiv Moscow, who actually scored the the winning goal. Which brought Lokomotiv like, Moscow, the, the 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 league in Russia. Uh, but at the same time, if you look just going back to to the original question, look at the Morocco side. Wow, they have quite um, an impressive lineup. Like obviously Binatia, who is the captain of the team, who plays for Juventus. You have like I'm looking at their squad. I know lots of their players, and those players play at at quite quite high level. I'm not saying that again, that they're going to go and world the world cup, but this is not an easy team to beat. They have a good generation coming up. And, um, I think they have a slight chance of maybe upsetting the, the, the odds and making it tough to, uh, for Portugal to, to qualify. I look if we're talking about Iran team, I looked at, at their squad. I looked a little bit of how they qualified and the results they played. Again, I haven't watched any games by this team, but again, I don't see them. Mm, Playing a significant role. The only cool fact, uh, which for us, for football grad, uh, people is that they have quite a few. And to be specific, three, um, players who play in Russian Premier League. But again, those players play for <laughs> teams like Amkar, um, <laughs> and uh, Rubin Kazan, you know, not, not the world beaters and Chery uh, Grozny. So that kind of identifies the, the level of players uh, that Iran Having their squad um, it will be interesting. we talked many 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 times on this podcast about Sirdara Azmun and he has been linked with many clubs for a very long period of times, so maybe it will be for him another chance and uh, maybe a very big chance to you know to show his level and maybe eventually get a move to to Europe, which will be i think it's um well uh, that's a stand, which a step for him which has been along um in the plans. Uh but yeah, that's to me the really the only interesting player on that side, Ser Sardar Asmun from Rubin, and but uh, you know, I hope he will deliver something so he will get that move because I think he needs to go to Europe. But again, this is a little bit more football grad top football mm-hmm. grad talk more than actual World Cup preview. Yeah,
2: there's a couple interesting players in that Iran side. I definitely would say uh Sedar and also uh Ritza Gushan Nishat, who plays for Herenven, um another interesting player, and then of course Ali Reza, Hannah uh at AC Alkma, um, who I believe won the, the goal scoring title in the Netherlands. And then of course uh, an interesting fact to Iran is they have been, they actually managed to stay without a goal scored against them for a thousand minutes in the qualification stage. Um, they only conceded a goal in the final match of the, of qualifying. So that's, Pretty impressive stats, of course, if that's going to hold up at the World Cup. Doubtful, but I want to, want to talk about, uh, Morocco because I actually share you quite a, a lot of your opinions, Tim. And of course, Morocco, um, were the first country from Africa to win their group at a World Cup. And that was in 1986. Um, they then lost in the round of 16 to Germany. Um, or in other words, Mateos, who had a fantastic game at that game. They want to host the 2026 World Cup. I think yes, you're quite right. Portugal um in many ways for me an overestimated team, Cristiano Ronaldo in those last three Champions League matches did not look like himself. Um he was not great against Bayern, he was not very good at the maybe the oddest Champions League final I have seen in my lifetime. And uh I don't know if if they are going to be managing to do the same thing uh, at the World Cup than they did at the Euros and I'm really curious to hear your opinion on the lisellaso um andrew well
3: i mean this it's it's a it's a hard one to call really my first instinct is that well we've always, i've always been talking every preview we've done every conversation we've had that about spain and portugal are going to be the two who go through because on paper they really should do but the thing is you mentioned about pardon me you mentioned about um portugals well, inconsistency to say the least um they they were very good for the opening half an hour of their friendly, which I actually did watch against Tunisia um yesterday or the day before, uh, but then they conceded two goals at home um very very poor goals as well so um defensively they have issues and and you know you 've mentioned already the well, certainly the defensive, um, capabilities of Iran, their, their history is of being a very solid side. I don't know a lot about all of their players, but, um, you mentioned their strikers there. The, uh, Reza Guchaned. I'm not going to be able to pronounce it as well as you, man. Um, Reza, Ali Reza and Sada will stick with the first names so I don't insult them. They've got three experienced young, um, uh, you know they've they've got a lot of confidence in them. Morocco are also a very strong uh, side defensively. Hervé Renard is a vast experienced coach, and they will both be playing to frustrate and contain. And Portugal can be got at. Cristiano Ronaldo's got personal issues with Real Madrid. It seems like every summer there is now with him. Mm. Um, is that playing on his mind? He's 33. Like you mentioned, very likely to be. Well, uh, you know, he has said he wants to play on until he's 40. But realistically, this is his, probably his last World Cup. To Not going to happen. <laughs> um, well, you say that, I wouldn't be surprised to see him turn up in four years' time. But um, he certainly won't be as effective. That's uh, you know, safe to say. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I actually generally do hope Morocco do well because their bid for 2026 World Cup... um I don't know how it's been seen over in North America. You guys are, again, in better position to comment on that. But it does seem like Morocco's bid is gathering a little bit of pace. So in, was it two weeks' time? We'll find out. Um It'll be very, very interesting to see where that bid comes from. And if they do win that bid, then suddenly it's a bit of a boost to them. The they younger players coming through, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I still expect it to be Spain-Portugal to go through, but possibly with a scale or two along the way.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that World Cup bit, I think.
3: Danny Pellegrino here with A Very
2: Merry Iconic Podcast, here to tell you about AMC Plus. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuff with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men. New series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead: World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. In in a realistic world, the most of the countries around the world will will probably vote against Donald Trump's US bid, and there's really no other way to call it that, right? I mean, there was tweets by the president. Um, threatening African countries in particular, if they wouldn't vote for the United States. Um, but you never know with FIFA, right? So, <laughs> um, we'll, see how that works out. I believe that tournament is being awarded on that first weekend, isn't it, Andrew?
3: It's uh, I believe it's, I think it's the 13th of June. So they, yeah. they have the, for Congress, the day before, um, the World Cup kicks off. I believe it's 13th. It will be decided. Yeah.
2: Well, we'll be definitely able to comment on that because we're both going to be in, in very close vicinity to it. But yeah, I want to talk, um, about Spain. Um, Spain is actually the, the country at uh, the World Cup, in World Cup history that has the most dangerous defenders. Uh, on average, Spanish defenders have scored 0.082 goals at World Cups, more than Brazil and Germany. Uh, fun fact right there. But, Other than that, I think probably the biggest, one of the biggest favorites, I would say one of the four favorites to win the entire tournament. I saw Germany against Spain a few months ago in a friendly and a friendly that didn't seem like a friendly at all because both countries were really going at it. Um, Tim, it's really difficult to exclude Spain from any World Cup favorite talk, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think I see them as one of the biggest contenders to win the World Cup. Um, I don't really like saying, okay, this nation or this nation will will win the World Cup because it really comes down to the draw, and we've known for the history of World Cups that there are many surprises. But at the same time, just looking at the uh, at the you know, Spain squad, you obviously have a massive representation of Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Atletico Madrid players, which are definitely among the best in the world but also what in my opinion was very very important that they really added um, quite a few new players and got rid of maybe some players which have been in the team and to me it gives that team a little bit of more motivation freshness and the, there are a lot of players who will be excited who for whose for whom it will be a first tournament or who haven't won a major trophy yet Mixed with experience from players like Ramos, Piquet, Andres, Iniesta, and players who already won, um, big trophies. So I think it's actually a very, very interesting mix. And um, I think the Julian Lopez made right choices in terms of keeping that mix of fairly you, new, new, young, but at the same time, players who play at the obviously top level. And he kept quite a few experienced players who will definitely help um just with the mentality of the dressing room it's just yeah you, you obviously like you know we, you, we're looking at just at, at just quote it's it's unbelievable all the names which they have it's it definitely will be a team to watch and team to which will be competing uh to win uh, the world cup interesting just in, I'm curious that this is uh, I'm thinking out loud for me interesting which um strategy they will go with and which um forward will be featured in the squad because they have a choice between Aspas, uh, Rodrigo Morena, Lucas Vasquez and Diego Costa. It's really four very, very different strikers and obviously they can play with the false nine. And I am a big fan of Diego Costa, but at the same time, Iago Aspas had the wonderful season at Celta and became the best, um, goal scorer among, uh, amongst Spanish players. Rodrigo Morena had a very interesting season and good season. He had a consistency. I think he scored in seven games in a row. Then he had a little bit of a break from scoring. And then he had again the second half of the season. He, it was pretty successful for him. So it, it, he, Julian Lepetegui has quite a few. Um, interesting choices up front which will give absolutely different um you know vision of the attack for the national team and um, i'm that's for me the biggest interesting the most interesting thing about the squad selection with um with which um striker or maybe it will be a false nine uh, spain will play uh, the rest is pretty obvious you know very strong defense with ramos and pique alba and Hopefully Carvajal if he if he's available to go maybe you know we'll we have to see uh, but at the same time the 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 midfield is very strong we you know we have uh, Iniesta Silva Busquets Koke, Isco you know I don't need to talk about that but to me really interesting how they will structure the game in 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 the attacking line because it will be important uh, for the way they play uh, because since uh, David Villa and Fernando Torres left. Mm, they didn't really have a number one striker who would define as the only and the best number one striker. So to me, this is a question.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean, a very good summary of, of Spain right there. So we'll, we'll see how they do. Um, from one World Cup favorite to another. And I know Andrew, um, and I want to move this to Group C. Group C is, of course, uh, headed by France. The other three countries are Australia, Peru, and Denmark. And I know Andrew, I saw this tweet. Um so I'll put you right in the spot, right in the beginning of this uh cruise. that. Um, <laughs> France is your favorite to win the World Cup. You put your neck out of the window going against all the batting odds, etc. Forty four point yeah. four four euro um million euros is the average squad value of the France France squad um uh, per player. It's not yeah. a bad bet if you go by transfermark.de. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, this is this is one one part of the sort of World Cup, immediate World Cup build-up that I really enjoy is everybody arguing with each other over who's the favourites and why. But the, the thing, the thing about France is, for me, is that Tim, you mentioned, you alluded to this earlier. That um, well, you both did, of course, but that it's a short tournament. It's a it's a completely different atmosphere to anything else. Um, so you need to have. There'll be games when players will be slightly tired, slightly distracted for some reason. You need that X factor, and they have more players with something unpredictable in their mindset, in their abilities than, in my opinion, than almost any other country. I'm not saying other countries are worse, but the the, the sheer creativity that is and pace that France have in their squad is just is absolutely terrifying for me. Um, and you you look at the players. Another way to judge countries is the players they're leaving behind. I mean, it's, it's amusing looking at, you know, Germany's fourth 11 probably would get to the semi-finals still. Um, but, you know, France's uncalled up 11, if you like, is, is right up there with, you know, some of the best countries still there. So, um, I think, I think the thing that I like about France is partly from what I saw when they came here, uh, for the friendly, uh, against Russia. Mbappé is, of course, a, yeah, he's a young, one of the best youngers, youngsters in the world, but he played with such maturity. But they also have some experienced players in there. Um, actually, and in a weird way, I have a feeling Olivier Giroud will play a part in this World Cup, quite importantly. Not as a starter every game, but I think he will be quite a dangerous player to for them to have. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick by it. I put mm. my neck on the line. And I'm going to keep my neck on the line, possibly slightly stupidly. But I actually do believe, I really do believe France... Um are my favorites. I really think they'll be tough to beat. Yeah,
2: I, I'm more with Tim. I have a list of favorites. They're definitely on it. I think a tournament is uh full of obstacles. In France's case, that could be Didier de Um we'll see <laughs> we'll see how that goes. uh I wanna talk about the three countries that France faces uh in this turn in the group stage and I, I this is no disrespect to Australia, Peru and uh, Denmark, but I reckon that neither of them, I mean, Australia, um, the one fun fact I found about them, they had to travel over 250,000 kilometers over Iraq, Malaysia, and Honduras to actually get to Russia. So it's pretty much a normal, regular season for the likes of, uh you know, <laughs> 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 Um And then the the one fun fact I found about Peru, and this is, of course, a game that uh, many World Cup fans have in memory. Um, apparently, Peru Got 50 million dollars and 35,000 tons of wheat to lose six-zero to Argentina in 1978. That's the, the fun fact I found about them. And what fun fact did I find about Denmark? Well, Lord Bentner. I don't think I have to say much more than that. But boys, <laughs> any of those three are really going to able to challenge France, Tim?
0: I don't think it will, uh, anyone will, uh, out of those three will be realistically can challenge france and i think france kind of lucked out with the group uh you know it's world cup nothing's going to be easy uh, but uh, those countries are significantly lower in just uh, player quality than france and um but at the same time between those three it will be interesting uh we saw australia at the confederations cup um they didn't impress much, uh, but, uh, I've watched quite a few Peru games because I, I followed the South American qualification. It was, and then when it came down to that, um, match between Peru and Argentina, it was, you know, it was very interesting and Peru were impressive. Uh, they play this, I don't know, KG, um, team and they feature one, feature one of the best. Uh, players of Russian Premier League, Jefferson Farfan, who had just a wonderful, wonderful season at Lokomotiv. Denmark is always an interesting team. Lots and lots of players play in in Europe and have a lot of European experience in fairly good clubs. They have a top star, which is Christian Eriksson. I believe that having a um, top star at, at, at this short um tournament after a very long season, it's very important. And when we, we compare... Second, third tier nations uh, between each other, and one has a top star. I think it's a big, big, big um, help because those players they can decide the match in one, in one decision, in one pass, in one movement. And um, to me, Denmark out of those three countries potentially is has a slightly favored, but I think it will be interesting match uh, between uh, Denmark and Peru, and the game which will probably will decide who will join France in the uh, playoffs.
2: Yeah, Peru, of course, big boost for them today. Paulo Guerrero's, uh, ban. He, he was, uh, caught, uh, with cocaine in his blood. And has been lifted for the World Cup, so he's cleared to play. I think that's big, big news. Um, one of the other players that I actually want to point out is a player that who I really like, um, and that's Rui Diaz. Um, we, I featured him in the football Grad group stage previews, uh, I, have, I have to, Slightly change it because Guerrero, of course, is going to be back in the squad. But Uri Diaz is is a player I really um want anyone to watch. He's been tearing Liga MX apart for a couple seasons now. Really fantastic striker to watch. Elegant striker. He could be the sort of striker who will score four or five goals in this tournament and then get a silly move somewhere where he might not fit. Um The silly <laughs> season is going to be fun this year because World Cup players, as I said this yesterday on the Gigging Pressing podcast, um, any kind of World Cup player who scores three or four goals, all of a sudden will get a big move. Um, Andrew, someone who could get a really big move after this World Cup is, of course, Christian Eriksson. There's a lot of people who suspect he could be the next 100 million euro man. Uh, any thoughts on him?
3: Well, I mean, he's just a phenomenal player. He really is. Um, and, I mean, he's, he's he's only 26. I keep forgetting how young he actually is relative to how long he's been around. Um, his, I mean, he's the sort of player who can control a game and he, a lot of pressure will be on him. That's the only downside. I don't think Denmark are as dependent on him as Egypt are on Mo Salah, for example, but he is still clearly the go to guy. Um, and, you know, I almost wonder, pessimistically whether some countries might and i'm looking at you australia here um might physically target him rather aggressively should we say um as a tactic to basically stifle their opponents and the the worrying depressing part of it is that actually that would work if they got away with it um anyhow ericsson's got the class um i don't personally see him leaving spurs because he is the well he's the creator in chief there really um He's the calmer version, and I, in my opinion, a better version of Daly Um But Ericsson is is loved. He's got a good good thing going there. Spurs will be qualifying for Europe every season now. Um, I don't see him leaving. Um, uh, if he did, I think it would be a mistake for him because I don't think he'd be a regular at a better club than Spurs. Um, so, anyhow, yeah, like you say, silly season will start. So who knows? Perhaps somebody will put in a, a bid that Spurs can't refuse. Um, It'll have to be a big one though because Daniel Levy is well known for being the most aggressive negotiator in English football so um, it would have to be quite ridiculous to to prise him away. Um, But for Denmark, what a dangerous player. Only bettered, of course, by Mr. Bentner himself.
2: <laughs> who's was <who's laughs> having a resurrection in uh, Norway, by the way. I read a really good article on him. Apparently, he's really sorted out his life. But let's leave that group alone. I want to talk about the final group that we're doing today. And that's Group D. And um maybe Lionel Messi's last chance to win a World Cup. Three World Cups, boys. Three times his team lost against Germany. Um we have, We really seem to be cursing those Argentinians. Poor guys. But um not an easy group. I mean, when you look beyond uh, Argentina, and I think this could be maybe the group of that. That is, the other three teams are Iceland, um, the smallest country ever to have um, reached the World Cup in terms of population, and then of course Croatia, uh, the country I am currently in. There is a lot of excitement in Croatia at the moment about this World Cup, I tell you, because the the fiery have a have a fantastic squad, uh, maybe one of the underdogs to watch, and then Nigeria will have. Pretty much already won the, um, when it comes to the prettiest jersey or the most, uh, yeah, sold jersey, I sure. think. Oh, ladies and oh, Red, five, oh, five million, five million orders online. I mean, that's, that's mind boggling. <laughs> Nike, Nike really, Nike really shot down the eagle with that one. Um, which is fitting because they're the super eagles. But <laughs> yeah, Argentina, um, Andrew, Leonel Messi's last chance to win a World Cup? Yes or no?
3: Actually, I'm going to say no. Um, I can I can see him as the experience he'll play a slightly more withdrawn role at the age of 34, 35 when it next comes round. Um, but realistically, I'd say this is his best last chance. Um, let's put it that way. Um, Argentina, I don't know what it is they have. The, I mean, there are so many countries that have a ridiculous array of attacking players. Argentina are. Are another one of them. I mean, when you've got the likes of um, Paulo Dybala, I'm a huge, huge fan of his. I think he's, he really is absolute class. Um, you've got Sergio Aguero, who is about the most experienced goal scorer um, after Messi, of course. Um, he's Manchester City's record goal scorer, I believe. Um, you know, and he's, uh, he's got to prove himself to get in that side. That's how good they are. Um, I think maybe the problem for Argentina is how they fit all their best talents into the side um and still play a system that can contain and beat other teams. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that's actually possible, to be honest. Um, so can Sao Paulo strike the balance really. That's the that's the question for me. Overall, I just don't quite have enough faith that they will be able to do that. Um mm. I hope for Messi's sake that he at least gets gets his country um to the semi-finals, but I, I, I don't. I'm not sure they will. Um, you know, Messi's Messi is a leader. He's phenomenal and one of the best players of all time, stating the obvious. Um, but will will Argentina have enough to support him? I mean, their defence is what worries me. Um, uh, to put it to put it bluntly, I have zero faith in Nicolas Otamendi. I think he's a vastly overrated player. Uh, a lot of a lot of commentators and fans in England say that they think Otamendi's had a great season. He's been in a good side. Um, and if he's one of your main defenders, then I think there are problems, problems to be had there.
2: Yeah, I would go along with that, Andrew. Um, I think defense and goalkeeping is for me the big weaknesses. When you look at all the other teams at this World Cup, that I count among the favorites and that actually includes Croatia maybe. This is this is a very well balanced side and in every position on the field. Goalkeeping, defense, midfield, attack. And that could be I mean Tim, this could be as early as the group stage for Argentina that they they they're getting um a massive negative result when they face this Croatia side because I mean it's not just I'm not just biased because I've been lying on the beach here in Croatia <laughs> e- eating great Croatian food I do actually think that this is a fantastic side I mean I got to see Ante Rebic who might not even start for them at the DFB Pokal final against Bayern where he was like a rocket and he scored uh, two goals for them against one you know one of the best defensive lines in world football and um he might not even start for them this is a very dangerous side, and are we should we really put Croatia on you know that underdog list, or maybe even a little bit more than? No, I, I don't put them
0: on underdog list at all. They have a wonderful generation. If we just take a look at their, three uh, midfield, Rakicic, Kovacic, uh, Luka Modric. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of speaks, for, speaks for itself uh, with, um, Mr. Majukic up front. It's, it's a very, very good generation of players who play all on the top level. You can create um, a, a squad of 11 who all play in the top sides and, uh, and have, who have Champions League experience. The only issue, and that comes with a lot of, with many um, former Yugoslavia teams that sometimes that happens. And sometimes that, e- sometimes that even ends up being a little bit even an issue because so many, um, you know, talented players and egos in the room. And sometimes for them, it is that becomes kind of ahead of team mentality. But I hope it's not going to be the case this year because, um, because really the, this side of this side is very, very strong. And I will, I'm always have been a supporter of, of all the former Yugoslavia teams who play at the big tournaments. I, I like, I like the players. I like, I like the, the culture. I like those nations. So for me, it's one of the teams which I will, will be definitely watching and I will be supporting. And I think Argentina really. Didn't didn't have luck with the draw. They with w- what uh, you know me, Andrew, and Human uh, are not only the people in the world who are really concerned about the balance of Argentina team. Everyone sees that, and that's an obvious issue with them with a brilliant striker for um, a line, and then pretty much um, big hole in defense. And. That, you know, starting the tournament with games against, um, Croatia, Iceland, who will be a hard team to beat. And Nigeria, well, I'm not even sure. Like, I really, I really like Lionel Messi and I want him. I think a player of that caliber deserves a major World Cup success. And just for that reason, I want them to succeed. But really, it's it's gonna be very very hard for them. I won't be surprised if if they really don't qualify to play off. I'm not giving any you know predictions here, but it will be very hard for them to. It 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 they they really had bad luck with that draw.
2: Yeah, I I would actually go along with you. It's it's not going to be an easy one. I mean, Iceland. Um, we saw what they did at the Euros. Uh, Andrew, you visited. You you got to. Experience it firsthand being, being, no idea what you're talking about. No idea. <laughs> I was not going to dwell on it too much. Um, because I think Iceland, as much of a great story, it is, I think that the other three countries are maybe a step too far for them. I mean, I, I look at the Nigeria, this is another great side. Um, with very good players, like Kalichi, for example, from Leicester, Ahmed Musa, CSKA Moscow, we follow all the time, Alex Iwobi. Uh, Victor Moses, who, who's been reinvented, um, you know, and DT also from Leicester City. Uh, this is, this is a very good side. And, you know, they have experience. Uh, this is the sixth World Cup. And for the fifth time, they're going to play against Argentina. Um, you know, they had enough time to practice, right, Andrew, to, to <laughs> maybe get one over Argentina finally.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, it- is what I've picked out, um, when I've spoken to other people about the World Cup as, as the group of deaf. I really do think so because, because of what you mentioned before. And also, you know, Nigeria, oh Christ, I, it's so hard to call. If I really had to say, and this is going to sound incredibly harsh, I think, I think Nigeria may end up, may end up bottom of this group, which is mad. You know, they've got, um, uh, one of the best Russian defenders. Sorry, I mean, Nigerian defenders, um, from Amkar PM, <laughs> um holding them together at the at the back. I don't know enough about their defence um to to comment on that. And that's that's why I'm saying I think possibly they may struggle in the group. But um Wilford Indeedy is genuinely one of the genuinely one of the most unsung defensive midfielders, certainly in the English Premier League. And I think uh Leicester will be do very, very well to hold on to him. Uh, he's only young, um he's got age on his side. He's shown he can he can cope with uh, another culture of football. No problem at all. Uh, Victor Moses will, will probably actually find a release, I think, because he's played mostly as a wing-back for Chelsea. Like you mentioned, he's been reinvented. But I see him certainly playing further forward for for Nigeria. And perhaps he'll think, get back to his roots. He's, he was born as a winger. Um, that might um, might spur him on. So, Oh, God, it's, it's a tough one to call. I really, I really would not have to, want to have to put money on this one, but they, all of the sites have a genuine shout. And I mean this seriously. All of them have a, sh- a shout of going through. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see.
2: Are we then going to say this is the group of death? Group D, yes. group of death. Fitting.
3: Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I would go along with that. I think this is, this is a fantastic group. Iceland, of course, they have uh, some, Big Rostov experience, uh, bringing into, <laughs> into this. Um, uh, but I mean, this is, this is a good side. I, I don't want to count him out at all. Um, Finn Borgerson is, of course, someone worth. I watch closely in the Bundesliga. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, I've been a fan of him ever since I've seen him at, uh, Hoffenheim. He then, of course, went on to Swansea. He had a great career there. Um, Everton, um, not the greatest side this year, but you know, he still made the most out of any of these players who are playing in top European leagues. And I think that Iceland, of course, um, I don't think that they're going to get out of this group, but they, they could. I mean, they have shown at Euros that they can surprise. So, um, yeah, fantastic. Um, boys, we've done group A, B, C and D. That's, uh, for uh, our oh, second episode of the World Cup preview. Um, I want to wrap it up here. And then, of course, uh, next week, do the, the wrap up of the next four groups. Um, Really excited to, to looking forward to it. And of course, World Cup is only a few weeks away. Um, Andrew, I imagine you very busy. Anything that you want to pluck, anything that you do want to people get people's attention towards you. The floor is yours.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, it is, um, it is absolutely manically busy, much busier than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, I guess probably the most interesting thing, um, that I'm planning is I will be driving around, um, around the country. I will be going to, Every, um, host city, I've just been told by my, well, one of my freelance bosses, um, that I have to go to all 10 cities. So I'll be doing a lot of video preview work on the ground reporting. Um, I hopefully, hopefully get a few radio appearances as well. Um, but trying to trust me. I mean, it may sound obvious, but really believe me, planning a 30 day, 14,000 kilometer, 15 city trip, um, is quite some doing. Um, but keep your eyes peeled and, uh, you'll see, see me around the country.
2: Yeah, I'll definitely join you for some of it, Andrew. Uh, can't wait. Uh, really, I think we're meeting up in Sochi for one of the games. So I'm really looking forward to that. Tim, uh, how about you? Um, uh, what have you been, uh, up to? Feel free to pluck anything you want to pluck.
0: Um, yeah, like I'm staying in Canada for the World Cup, so I obviously will be watching every all the games. But if listeners don't know, I also do a punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. It's I play punk rock, but every time before the big World Tournament, I do a special what I call punk rock preview of uh, a World Cup a Euro, where I try to play on the show um all uh, bands from all the nations which uh, represent the World Cup. So this time I'm planning to do an episode where I will play 32 different songs by 32 different bands from the countries which will play the World Cup and hopefully we will have that um posted somewhere on um Football Grad social media. So this is, will be a lot of work for me because finding punk rock bands uh, in South Korea, in Morocco and Iran might be challenging but the challenge is
2: accepted. Yeah. And we'll, we'll not only going to plug this on social media. I think we'll give this a post as well, Tim. This sounds fantastic. Well, we'll make this a special football grad post. How, how about that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's, that's pretty much it from this week. Um, you can find this podcast and all the other podcasts at football Grab live. Um, we have also the, a lot of the previews are coming up, um, on footballgrad.com. They, we have uh, a couple of previews on the group stage already out. There's more coming there in the works. We're going to do game previews as we get closer to the tournament as well. Um, and anything else from the tournament, I, I'm on holiday officially, uh, until Sunday and then it will be every channel World Cup. Uh at Football Grad Live and you can of course follow me. I'm going to be traveling quite a lot through Russia. I'm gonna be at a lot of games at Manuova. Well, until next week, dos <laughs>